Hi, Jay Ruane back again. As you know, Dan Lage has been teaching us about civil rights litigation and its intersection with criminal law. And now, my partner Dan Lage, who is the head of our civil rights division, will take over. Thanks again, Jay, and welcome back. This is season six of the Connecticut Criminal Law Podcast, Civil Rights Edition, Episode 3, Who Can You Sue? When it comes to a civil rights lawsuit, you as the plaintiff need to be sure that you are not only naming the right person as the defendant, but that you name all of them. You don't want to miss anyone. In Episode 2, we covered a few brief examples of situations that might give rise to a civil rights lawsuit. Let's go through those examples again and examine them a little bit more closely so that we can see if we can identify all of the right defendants. Remember Tommy? Tommy was our guy who was walking down the street. He was illegally arrested and violently tackled to the ground, right? He got some serious injuries in that case. Well, let's add to Tommy's story. And let's add the fact that the officer that tackled him to the ground also used an illegal chokehold on Tommy to make sure that Tommy was subdued, right? Now, many of the officers on the scene had also used this illegal chokehold on other suspects, and those chokeholds resulted in several complaints over many, many years. Now, Tommy in this situation can realistically sue every single one of these officers who drew a gun and surrounded him with a vehicle for false arrest. Additionally, Tommy can sue the guy who tackles him for excessive force. Tommy can also likely sue every single other officer on the scene for failing to intervene and failing to attempt to stop that officer who tackled him from using the illegal chokehold. Moreover, Tommy can file a lawsuit against the municipality, the city, the people who employ these cops, since they were probably on notice of all those other prior illegal chokeholds and presumably did nothing to correct the other officers or stop them from using the chokehold again. Remember example two, that's Mary and John, our Hispanic couple who were prevented from renting an apartment and felt that it was because of their race or ethnicity? Well, we're gonna change one important fact. Let's say that the same real estate agent that showed them the apartment the first time was also the agent that successfully showed that white couple the apartment two days later. Moreover, when the property manager told Mary and John that the apartment had been rented out, the real estate agent expressed her apologies and suddenly remembered that that was in fact the case. And uh, I'm so sorry, I was wrong to even show you this unit in the first place. Mary and John were then told by both the property manager and the real estate agent that there were no other available units in the complex. Sorry, but don't bother coming back. We're all out of inventory. Now, with those new facts, Mary and John have a viable civil rights lawsuit against the real estate agent, the agency that employs the real estate agent, if there is one, the property manager, and whoever owns the condo complex, whether that's an individual or an organization like an LLC. Finally, let's go back to our third example. If you remember, that's Cynthia. Cynthia was the victim of a very pervasive sexual harassment environment. And on many occasions, as the only woman amongst several males in an auto body shop, she was subjected to this uh, bad treatment on the basis of her sex. 
Now, her supervisor fires her, presumably because Cynthia's unwilling to go out on a date with him. Remember, this is our guy, Mark. But depending on how Cynthia and her lawyer want to play this, there are a couple of different options. No matter what, Cynthia is going to sue the employer company under Title VII and or Connecticut's Fair Employment Practices Act. But if Cynthia has reason to believe that some of the other co-workers aided and abetted the harassment, she can sue each of them individually in Connecticut. Moreover, she can sue the supervisor as well under some traditional principles of tort law. While suing the supervisor may not be a, quote, civil rights claim, it's a way for Cynthia to vindicate her rights in court. So now, depending on what kind of cause of action you have in your civil rights case, suing just the specific target may not be enough. In each one of our examples, a small change in the facts or in the relevant legal principle can open up the lawsuit to include potentially many more defendants to answer for violating your civil rights. And up until this point, you should have a good grasp of not only why to sue, but also who to sue. And next up, episode four, we're going to talk about what to cover when after deciding to file a lawsuit, picking a lawyer, when you meet with that lawyer and you're ready to actually do it. We're going to talk about what it is that you might want to cover with that potential lawyer. And thanks again for listening. This has been episode three of the Connecticut Criminal Law Podcast. I hope you're enjoying it and I will see you in episode four.